today, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the ultimate gift giver. Uh, I know it's not Christmas, but Christ gives us certain sets of gifts. Now, a couple weeks ago, uh, Ian, uh, I think he did a fantastic job a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you can clap for him. Uh, He was so nervous that whole week, it was hilarious. So it was kind of fun to watch him uh, mess with that. But, you know, he talked about living a life worthy of your calling. And uh, for those of you interested in animals, he also taught us how to train an elephant. So um, it might be interesting to see if any of you uh, pick one of those up. So um, this week, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Uh, so I'd ask that you go there. We're going to unpack uh, for a couple of weeks um, this section of Scripture, and next week we'll look at uh, verses 13 through 16. So we're going to kind of hang out in there. And, and typically I don't do this, but today I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. Okay? So that th- may not make any sense yet, but it will. Um, in this passage of Scripture, God outline, Paul outlines five different areas of giftedness within the church. Elsewhere in scripture, he gives us a bunch of others and, you know, all these different kinds of things. But these are five areas that talk about basically the proclamation of the gospel, the spreading of the gospel, the bringing uh, of the good news of Jesus to various places. So today, as as we talk through um, these five areas, you should, I hope, find yourself falling into at least one of these categories. So as we talk about this, I want you to, to think about it, because uh, at the end of our time, you're going to have a little bit of face-to-face to be able to share around your tables, and, and just maybe make some notes. I think on your, uh, your handout, there's a blank line and then a little bit of room for notes. And so I just want to give you some space to maybe jot down some ideas this morning, okay? So, uh, so that's where we're going to go. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 7. This section begins with the word, however, it's almost as good as but, but it's not, but it's almost as good because Paul has talked about, listen, this unity, not uniformity. You're going to live your life worthy of a calling. Uh, You know, all of that stuff is well and good. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's great. However, as a result of, he goes on to say, he has given each one of us, how many? Okay, good. This side of the room gets it. How many? That means all y'all, right? That's from the South, if you don't know where that comes from. That means everybody. Each one means you, okay? So that's why I want you to think about this. He's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Verse 11, Paul writes this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, this will continue until we have all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
The very first part of this this section of Scripture, Paul wants us and reiterates to us again that Christ has given each one of you a special gift. Now, oftentimes we don't think about that. We think about you know, gifts only being for the, the pastors or the teachers of the church or the leaders, and that's wrong thinking. Because each one of you has been given a special gift simply because you deserved it. No. Simply because of the generosity of Christ. This generosity is found in his sacrificial death on the cross. So Paul gives us, in this first little part, kind of this parenthetical statement. You know, he starts off saying, however, he's given us each a special gift, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he just says, okay, remember why. Remember why, because he says this. This is what, uh, that is what Scripture said, verse 8. When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice he ascended, which... uh, This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Paul wants you to understand the very first blank on your fill-in, that Christ, most importantly, the gift that Christ gave most importantly for you is what? Himself. Christ gave himself for us. Now that, I think, in and of itself, as a standalone, is a great gift. Because if we accept that gift, then that gives us the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. He gave himself as a gift to us. He was removed from heaven so he could come in flesh and blood that that he might be greater than any other small g God. And he fulfilled the ultimate plan of God's salvation through his death and resurrection. Paul elsewhere writes, as well as the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they write that that Christ came so that we could have life. We could have eternal life, abundant life, a life that would point others toward Christ so that they can have life as well. Uh, There's this new phrase kind of going around. Uh, It's called YOLO. Have you all heard that? Uh, YOLO apparently means you only live once, right? That's true. You get one shot at this life. We had a great conversation in staff the other day about how great you, you live only once, but what the world says, hey, you live only one time, so guess what? You can go do whatever you want, knock yourself out. There's no consequences. You know, you can just do whatever you want. But the truth of the matter is that is not true. You get one opportunity. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we have one opportunity in this lifetime to spread the message of Jesus to people around us. That ought to be our focus in YOLO. That's kind of a weird little phrase anyway, but I'm not even going to go there. All right. So uh, Paul also, he gives us these gifts. He tells us about them. Then he also tells us the purpose. So let's unpack this just a little bit. Verse 11, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. First of all is what? The apostles. So you can write that into your next little blank. Okay? The first gift that he gives to the church are what are called apostles. Now, for those of you who have, you know, been in church and all that jazz, you understand that, that you know, in the New Testament they're called apostles and all that. But uh, I, I want us to understand that a little bit broader in terms of today's understanding, okay? 
Uh, according to one of the uh, theological dictionaries uh, I looked this up in, uh, an apostle is a person who is sent by somebody else. He's sent, they're sent by another person. They're a messenger or a delegate. Uh, the other phrase that fits in there is somebody who is sent forth with orders. Now, in the New Testament, we understand that most of the individuals listed at one point were called apostles or or various other names, and the book of Acts is actually called the Acts of the what? Apostles. The apostles were the people who took the understood uh, grace of Jesus and helped spread that throughout their land. So if we understand today that an apostle is someone who is sent out with orders or maybe a message, how many of you think you could fit into that category? Okay, three or four of you, that's great. Um, We'll get there, trust me. (laughs) Remember, it's only been a week we interact. We're part of this deal together. I'm just here to help you. Um, So think about it. If we understand that an apostle is one who is sent out with orders or has a message to tell other people about something, how many of you think you fit into that category? Okay, a few more. That, we're getting there. Okay, let me help. All of you. Okay, this is back to the southern thing, all y'all. All right? Everybody... In theory, if we understand that, and I'm not going to get in all the theological New Testament, for today's understanding, I want you to understand that an apostle is somebody who has a message and is to proclaim it to other people. Now, I'm pretty sure Jesus says this thing in Matthew 28. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Then he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you even to the end of the age as you do that. So if we understand that an apostle is somebody with a message to carry, and we've been ordered to do so, each of you is an apostle. Those are the marching orders that we all have. He didn't say, you know, go where it's convenient for you. He didn't say, you know, just hang out in your little holy huddle and just come to church and and chill. He says, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, and I'll help you through the process. See, every single one of us has a story to tell of our walk with Christ, even If you are here for the very first time and you don't understand this Jesus stuff and you're freaking out because we're sitting around tables and you have no idea what's happening, you have a story of your life that are evidences of Christ in that somewhere along the line. Whether your story begins today or 50 years ago, we have a story to tell and we've been directed by Christ to to tell the world of his work, of his saving work, not only for the world, but for us individually. So, if we understand that an apostle is someone who is sent out with a message, how many of you fit into the category of apostle? Almost all of us. Good. Okay. Next in the list are what? 
It's in, I'm sure it's there. Prophets, okay? Prophets. In the Old Testament, now the prophets were understood as the seers, uh, quote-unquote, the ones who held the visions of God uh, for future events and were basically God's mouthpiece. The understanding of Old Testament prophets, are, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, that's the majority of the writings. Uh, Joel and Amos and Haggai, and all of them are either major or minor prophets uh, that are telling about things to come. So when a prophet spoke... It was not of their own words, it was the words of God. See, they received inspiration from God concerning future events that either related to the kingdom of God at that time, the kingdom of God to come, and salvation. Now, in the New Testament, Christ himself was considered a prophet, and many other religions today don't believe Jesus is the Son of God necessarily as much as he was a great moral teacher who had a prophetic voice. So for us today, um, we could consider those who have the responsibility to claim the message of God to people, maybe a, a spokesman for God, we could consider those people a, a prophet. Some may say that, you know, as preachers, you know, those who do the platform gig, you know, we're prophets. Uh, maybe people like Billy Graham would probably be a, a good understanding of you know, in our lifetime, a, a potential modern-day prophet. He was a spokesman for God, that, and his ministry has transformed generation after generation of people. We could also understand that, that one who is a spokesman of God or spokesperson for God could be called a prophet. If we look at the Old Testament, Enoch, Abraham, all the patriarchs, uh, everybody who was a bearer of God's word, Moses, all of them ranked among the prophets. Uh, there have been prophets throughout, men and women, uh, Miriam and Deborah and others. See, uh, we often think that the prophets were just the ones of the Old Testament, that they were just the ones who had the, uh, the understanding of future events. Now, some of you may have that gift of prophecy, but what I believe today is that each of us can have a prophetic voice in the lives of people. At some point in this journey with Jesus, my assumption and my hope is that, that you become inspired by God. So if you're placed into a situation, okay, think about a situation that you've been in. And you had no idea how you're, you were going to respond in that situation. Maybe it's the death of a loved one, a, a bad situation in a family. Uh, struggle at work. Think about that, that situation that you've been in. And now think about how you got yourself out of that situation. The words maybe that you spoke in that situation. I can remember long before I uh, ever had a relationship with Christ. Um, uh, I was a manager at Applebee's, and I was either in Joplin, Missouri, uh, Rogers, Arkansas. It all kind of washes together in the Midwest. But um, there was a, a, one of the girls was uh, our server, uh, a waitress. And she was kind of one of those people who was kind of like rubbing a cheese grater on your arm, okay? She just was annoying at every level. Didn't like her, really couldn't stand her. Now, don't forget, I, I was really harsher then. It was much before Jesus. So, um, 
<laughs> See those of you laughing know I'm exactly the same way today. Um, but she, I mean, she absolutely drove, us, drove me crazy. I could not stand her. So one of our shifts, uh, we get a phone call at, at work. Uh, a frantic woman is on the other line needing to speak to this girl. Um, I'm in the kitchen. I go get her. And uh, her brother had had an accident with a firearm and uh, was wounded critically and ultimately fatally. And I could not stand this girl. I don't know how else to say that. But at that moment, I was the only person that had the opportunity to go, to her, go with her to the hospital. I had no idea. I'd never been in that kind of situation before. I had no understanding of how I was going to get out of it. I didn't want to go. But as we sat together for the next two or three hours, um, I believe God spoke into my life. It, again, I didn't know Jesus. But he gave me the opportunity to speak into her life, to be able to help her through the process and, and be almost uh, that prophetic voice of saying, you know what, this is how this is going to turn out. I, I remember distinctly saying, God is going to use this, and, and I didn't know Jesus. I don't know how else to say this to you. Uh, I said, God is going to be able to use this opportunity for you to share about his love for others. You talk about freaking me out when I heard those words come out of my mouth. So I think if God could use me in that situation, he uses a donkey to speak to Balaam, in the Old Testament, I think he could probably use you. I think that he could probably speak into your life so that you can speak into the lives of others. Now, you all may not have the gift of prophecy, and I feel like I have to lower my voice whenever I say that. You know, this, oh, I can see things in the future, I need an interpret. no. That's a time and a place, and there are specific individuals who have that giftedness. Absolutely. It is alive and well today, but I think each of us, if we understand that someone who is a prophet has been given the opportunity to speak into somebody's life about the message and love of Jesus, how many of you think you could fit into that category? I would hope, again, all of us. You see, it's different... New Testament, Old Testament, I say we can get in all the theology, but I just really don't want to go there today. I want you to think about these five categories and to help you understand how God has gifted the church through these five areas and how, what our responsibility is through that. So the first thing, uh, an apostle, what, what is an apostle? Yeah, it's a messenger, somebody that's been given a message and is to send it out, Right? A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. Maybe God uses their voice to speak some life and truth and correction and love into the lives of others. So I believe today that each of us have the opportunity to be both an apostle and a prophet at various times. Like I said, you may not have the gift of prophecy, but God can use your voice to speak into the lives of others. So now, maybe some of you fall into the next category. What would that be? Okay, say that again. Awesome. Some would say that the evangelists are only in the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the only ones that, that are the evangelists, and I think that's wrong. 
as an evangelist, it's actually the name that's given to the, uh, to the New Testament um, heralds, the people who brought the understanding of salvation, but they weren't, in the New Testament, apostles. There was a difference and distinction in the New Testament. Philip was an evangelist. He didn't have the authority as an apostle as it's understood in the New Testament, nor he, he didn't have the gift of prophecy either. He didn't have any pastoral supervision responsibility. He was just an itinerant preacher, somebody who traveled around and spoke about Jesus. In our country, that's one of the ways that the, the gospel spread from the east to the west. Uh, they were called circuit preachers. And they would go and, and speak in a town for a month or three weeks, six weeks, two months, whatever. They'd get on their horse. They'd ride to the next town. They'd camp out there for a few months. They'd get on their horse and ride to the next town. And they had what's called a circuit. And there was a group of them, and they just kind of traveled around. They would have been considered itinerant preachers uh, or evangelists. Basically, an evangelist is someone who has the ability to carry the message of God to places that it's not been before. See where I'm going with this? For some, this may mean to the ends of the earth. Uh, for some, this may mean uh, in Mexico, carrying that gospel message to the orphanage that they were involved in, to the family that they build the house for. Uh, for some, it may be simply your workplace. For others of you, it may be the home that you live in, that you are the only one who is on this journey with Jesus and trying to grow in your understanding, and it's your job to, uh, to carry that message into the lives of others. See, an evangelist, again, is someone who has the ability to carry the message of God to places that it is not or has not been carried before. I want you to understand today as we, we think through these things, uh, I want you to understand about your workplace, your home, the situation in which you live in. Uh, the truth of the matter is, you are in a certain place at a certain time for a certain reason. I cannot speak into the lives of people that you can speak into. I don't know them. I don't know their situations. I don't have an understanding of context. I could give them some, you know, great teaching or some understanding or Pastor Christopher can speak a certain area or Pastor Terry can speak into a certain area, but only you have the opportunity to speak into people's lives in the areas in which you know them. So, an evangelist is somebody who has the ability to carry the message of God into places that it has not been carried before. How many of you think that you could fall into the category of evangelist? Good, we're getting there. Now see, this evangelist does not mean beating people over the head with the Bible. It does not mean standing on a corner yelling out how much God hates people but wants to forgive them at the same time. It is not standing at a, a corner in Starbucks in the city reading from the book of Jeremiah on the destruction of the world. That's lunacy. That is not evangelism. Okay? Uh, evangelism is the carrying of the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, into people's lives. 
As a prophet, in terms of being a spokesman for God, each of us have the opportunity to speak the truths of God into the lives of people. Not all of us have the gift of prophecy. But an evangelist, you are placed where you are to bring that gospel message, whether it's into your workplace or your home. Maybe it's your extended family. Maybe it is being a missionary. Maybe it is, you know, loading up and saying, you know what, I'm going to move to Africa. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to move someplace in the United States to, to plant a church or to, to bring that message to people that only I can do. So if we understand an evangelist as being someone who has the ability to carry the message of God to places that it's not been before, then each of you can become and be an evangelist. You with me? Okay, I hope so. Next, what's next? Pastors. Oh, oh, here we go. It's the most important one of them all. Now, I want you to understand this. Pastors are a little bit different. They're just a little bit different in this story and understanding. So I I think, I really do believe this, that each of you can fall into those three categories uh, of apostle, prophet, and or evangelist if you're in tune with what God is doing in your life and the lives of others. Sometimes you can just talk like, just talk and not be of God. But I think that there are other times when God can use you to speak into the lives of people and to carry that message into places that only you can do that. Now, I do think that, that, there, are only, that there are a select few uh, who falls into this category of pastors. Uh, a pastor literally means a herdsman. It may be like herding cats at times, but a herdsman. The understanding was that God's people is his flock, uh, the flock, the sheep need a shepherd, and the, the pastor was the overseer of this, this Christian assembly, and that pretty well translates into our understanding of what a pastor is today. Pastor in the Greek, uh, the term is poimen, which means that shepherd, and only here in Ephesians chapter 4 is it really translated this way. So for me, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, we, can, we can have apostles and prophets and evangelists. And then Paul says, listen, there's got to be a shepherd in there somewhere to kind of keep everybody moving forward and focused in the right direction. Uh, pastoral ministry is obviously associated with teaching, which we're going to talk about in a minute, as God's gift to the church. Um, in, in, and I'll, Okay, I'll go there in a second. But one of the problems, though, that some pastors... Uh, do is that they use their position uh, for political reasons and and all that kind of jazz. I'm not even going to talk about that. But a shepherd would lay his life down for his sheep. He would be the one to step in front of that wolf or that that lion that was coming in um, to kill his flock. He would be the one that would lead them and and if you will, cast vision for them and help them understand this is the direction that we are going. I I want you to move with us in this way. The gospel talks about, and and Jesus says, you know, my sheep know my voice. I am their trustworthy guide. They follow me. And here for you, our understanding of our pastor is whom? 
We're getting there. Whom? Yeah, Pastor Terry is our pastor. He's your pastor. He is the shepherd of the sheep. Like I said, it might be like herding cats on occasion. But he is the shepherd. He is the one that, that casts that vision of God. He is that one that has that prophetic voice of, listen, this is the way that we're going to go. He's the one that, that helps us to understand how to, to take this message that we have and, and bring it into the places where we live. So in our understanding, Pastor Terry is obviously our pastor. He is the one that leads his flock. We know his voice. We understand the teachings. Uh, when a different voice comes up, sounds a little bit different, but audibly, but we hope that it's the same voice speaking about the same kinds of things moving the church forward. Now, some of you may have that opportunity at some point in your lives. We know for a fact that Pastor Christopher is going to plant a church. At that point, he becomes that voice, that lead, that pastor for those people as he shepherds them. And some of you, I will fully believe this, have that same calling and desire in your life and you have no idea what to do with it. And that's okay. Because I guarantee you that I had no clue either. I'm still trying to figure it out. So you're not alone in that process. If that's something that you feel, you know what, maybe... Maybe I could do this kind of thing. Maybe I could lead God's people in some areas. Put that on your connection card and, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you and, and give you a call or, or whatever with that. Okay, pastors, they're a little bit different. Finally, the last one are what? Teachers. How many of you work in the uh, education uh, arena? Okay, I, I know so we have a lot of, of teachers or instructors. Um, a, a teacher... Uh, is defined as someone who teaches, right? I mean, that's pretty, that's way out there in its understanding, right? I hate it when they use the word to define the word. But a teacher is somebody who teaches. They, they give instruction. So as a pastor, a shepherd of God's flock, for example, um, the, and teacher is the one who instructs the ways of God. Uh, many pastors, uh, those on this staff as well, fall into this category as well. A teacher is typically someone who communicates, uh, this is the theological definition, by the way, a teacher is someone who communicates uh, already revealed truths or understandings, okay? As a teacher, you had to go to school and understand the things before you could what? Teach it. You have to know, well, ideally, you will know what you're supposed, you know, what you know in order to be able to teach it. I know that there are some who don't have a clue what they're talking about and still try to teach anyway. But we're not going to go there either. Nobody in this room, obviously. Um, so, so I have another question. How many of you have kids? How many of you want kids? <laughs> I love, that is really interesting. And we got kids, we sure don't want them. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> oh, gracious. Uh, I'm going to have to write that down. Um, <laughs> guess what? I hate to break, break the news to you, but if you have children uh, <laughs> and have had kids, and those of you who don't yet have kids and still want kids, um, you're a teacher. Your kids, whether you realize this or not, are sponges. They soak up everything. 
good, bad, and ugly, and they regurgitate it back to you as they test you every day. Those of you, yes. You're a teacher. You have the obligation and opportunity to instruct your kids about life. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up and teach them uh, with the dis- discipline and instruction that comes from God. Back in Matthew 28, I read this a little bit earlier. You know, it said, go into all the world and do what? There you go, baptize and what? Teach. So every one of you, this may come as a shock too, every one of you knows more about Jesus than somebody else. You with me? Every one of you, even if today's your first day and you're still freaking out, you have more knowledge about who Christ is than somebody else. As a teacher, your responsibility is to what? Teach those who may not know as much and help them understand more. I think every teacher in, uh, in the industry, that's, that's their deal. I'm standing and teaching this class. They don't know as much, and I'm going to help bring them to the level of understanding that I have. That, I think, is what a teacher does. So, if we understand that a teacher is somebody who teaches others what they know, how many of you fall into that category of a teacher in that gospel understanding? Yeah, everybody, again, which you didn't raise your hand, and that's okay. But think about it. Now, I've given you some notes. I want you to just to be thinking about this because all five of these areas, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are given to the church for a very specific reason. And that reason is verse 12. Their responsibility is to what? Look at the screen. To what? Equip God's people to do what? And who? That was really good, actually. I didn't have to prompt you at all. Those five areas. Now, again, Paul writes about other giftedness uh, throughout the rest of Scripture and our understanding, but he specifically says these five areas, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You see, Paul writes this in that context because the understanding is Christ laid his life down for us so that we can help others pick that life up. Do you know what the word equip means in the original Greek? Good, you're about to. See, I'm teaching you, right? The word equip appears, appears throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, but here, and only in this place, in the entire New Testament, anytime a word appears one time, that's important. And any time words are repeated over and over again, that's also important. So here it means literally to, uh, to completely furnish. Does that make sense? To equip means to complete, to bring to complete furnishing. Almost like, listen, I'm going to come in, I'm going to decorate the whole house. I'm going to furnish it. Its root word is to mend. In the first century world, the New Testament, we hear about uh, Jesus calling the disciples. Some of them were fishermen. And 
if you're a fisherman or and you know anything about that, uh, you have to mend your nets. You have to fix your nets, especially then and, and in many places in the world today. So that word, uh, equip, is literally translated to mend, to put back together. It also comes across as, um, uh, how many of you have ever had a broken bone? Okay, same word, to put back together, to mend, same word. We don't think about equipping meaning that, but that is, is what the, the actual translation is, is to be. See, the role of these five gifts is to help people become who they ought to be in Christ Jesus. You hear that? The, their role of these five gifts is to help people become who they ought to be in Christ Jesus. See, the, the word build up, still up there, right? To build up the church, that little phrase, means to, to act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom. So if we look at this, it, this phrasing can become kind of interesting. And, and, and this is from the book of Blake. So uh, we can put this up there. Okay, if we take those, those words, those Greek words, and nuance them just a little bit from the original language, and we help uh, and we understand what these words to mean, that verse 12 could look like your responsibility. Paul says this, those five areas of giftedness, those five areas, guess what? Each of you fall into at least one of those areas. So again, Paul would say, all y'all, your responsibility is to make people what they ought to be and promote each other's growth in Christian wisdom for the living body of Christ. You see, the church's role is to help bring people to God, to heal them, to mend them, to help them understand who they ought to be in Jesus, to help them grow in their understanding of God. And the reason for that is so people can come and receive healing and, and grow, and then guess what? Take that same message and place it into the lives of other people that, that they know. Brian McLaren, who's the author of A New Kind of Christianity, says this. He says, Our faith is vain and self-centered if it only brings blessing to us or for us. It must also result in blessing that flows through us into the world. Did you hear that? If you have faith in Jesus and it only brings uh, blessing to you or for you, then it's a vain, self-centered faith. But that faith should drive us to speak that message into the world.